ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so the last thing that we left off on was regarding the connection between tawhid ar-rububiyyah and tawhid al-uluhiyyah firstly to recap tawhid ar-rububiyyah in English known as the Tawheed of the Lordship of Allah and that is to single out Allah with His actions for example that Allah alone is the creator, the provider, the sustainer, the one who gives life and death the one who controls the universe all of those actions are specific and unique to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so we affirm those actions to Allah alone and we negate that anybody else can participate with Allah or aid Allah in those actions that is the rububiyyah of Allah the lordship of Allah over his creation then we had al-uluhiyyah that is to single out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with what? rububiyyah is singling out Allah with his actions he is the creator, the provider, the sustainer, the one who gives life and death and controls the universe. Al-Uluhiyya though is to single out Allah with our actions. Remember the simple difference. Al-Rububiyya, the Lordship of Allah, is singling out Allah with His actions. He alone is the creator. He alone is the provider. He alone is the one who gives life and death. He alone controls the universe. His actions. But al-uluhiyyah, that is singling out Allah with our actions. Meaning that we make all of our actions, our worship, purely and sincerely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all of our worship whether it is worship from the heart like loving Allah like our trust and dependence in Allah relying upon Allah that is worship from the heart or whether it is worship upon the tongue with recitation of the Qur'an recitation of the Qur'an dua 
supplication, dhikr, that is all worship to Allah upon our tongues. And then worship of Allah upon our limbs. Physical worship that we do. Every type from the heart, from the tongue, upon the limbs. Then we single it out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is al-uluhiyya. So now the section we left it off on was regarding the connection between al-rububiyyah and al-uluhiyya. What is the relationship between them? That is what we were discussing last time. Alaqatu tawheed al-ilahiyya bi tawheed al-rububiyya wal-aks the relationship of Tawheed al-Uluhiyya to Tawheed al-Rububiyya and the other way around also. The relationship of al-Rububiyya to al-Uluhiyya. As Shaykh al-Fawzan mentioned here, وَعِلَاقَةُ أَحَدٍ نَوْعَيْنِ بِالْآخَرِ The connection between one of them to the other is أن التوحيد الربوبية مستلزم لتوحيد الألوهية. That the توحيد of الربوبية necessitates توحيد الألوهية. بمعنى meaning أن الإقرار بتوحيد الربوبية يوجب الإقرار بتوحيد الإلهية والقيام به. Meaning that affirmation of a rububiyyah if you affirm, you accept, you acknowledge that Allah is the provider, the sustainer, the one who gives life and death, the one who controls the universe, you accept all of that and acknowledge all of that, you accept a rububiyyah then it necessitates from you that you accept al-uluhiyya because if you acknowledge and you accept that Allah alone is the creator Allah alone is the provider Allah alone is the one who controls the universe Allah alone decrees what occurs Allah alone gives life and death you acknowledge all of those things you believe in all of that, the rububiyyah, then surely it goes without saying that the only one you should be worshipping therefore is Allah. If you acknowledge He alone is the creator and you acknowledge He alone is the provider, He alone is the sustainer, He alone is the one who gives life and death, he alone controls the universe, then he alone is the one who deserves to be worshipped. Therefore, if you acknowledge al-rububiyyah, it necessitates that you should be upon uluhiyya too, that you be singling out Allah with all of your worship too. But what about a person who acknowledges al-rububiyyah generally, 
accepts that Allah is the creator, the provider, the sustainer, etc. That Allah alone does all of that. But despite accepting all of that, he still goes and worships other deities that do not give life and death and did not create the universe and do not give us our sustenance and provisions. Do not give life and death. He still goes and worships them. Even though he acknowledges and understands Allah alone has the rububiyyah. Then what is his condition? What is the state of that person and the ruling on that person? Mushrik. And that's exactly what they used to do. That's why if a person thinks to himself, the mushrikun at the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they used to accept on the whole the rububiyyah of Allah. They accepted that Allah is the creator, Allah is the provider, Allah is the one who gives life and death, Allah is the one who controls the universe. They accepted the rububiyyah of Allah on the whole. If they accepted that and they did, then how come Allah mentions it so much in the Quran? So many places in the Quran, Allah talks about his rububiyyah. But that's something that the mushrikun didn't really have a problem with. So why is it mentioned in the Quran so much in that case? If the mushrikun didn't really have their issue with rububiyyah and they accepted rububiyyah. So then why is there so much focus in the Quran on the rububiyyah then? When they already accepted that. Hands up if you know. One only. Two. Three. Four, five. Everybody slowly. Go on, you were the first one. Almost. That's it. Almost. Because like we just said now. If you believe in rububiyyah, it necessitates that you should believe in uluhiyyah. If you believe Allah alone is the creator, provider, sustainer, etc., then he is the one alone who is deserving of worship. It necessitates you worship him alone, necessitates uluhiyyah. But if you believe in rububiyyah and it necessitates al-uluhiyyah, but you still don't do the uluhiyyah, then this is an establishment of the evidence against you. Hence, all of those details in the Quran about the rububiyyah of Allah, because it is an establishment of evidence upon the mushrikun, that the mushrikun, you believe in all of this rububiyyah, you accept that Allah is the creator, provider, sustainer, controller, you accept all of this and yet still you don't believe? You believe Allah alone is the creator, but you go and worship something else that doesn't create? You believe Allah alone is the one who gives life and death, yet you go and worship others who do not give life and death? You go worship others that do not hear you or speak to you? 
So it is an evidence against them. How can you be going and worshipping these others when you know that Allah alone is the creator, Allah alone is the provider, Allah alone is the one who gives life and death and controls the universe, then how can you be going to others and worshipping them? That's what the mushrikeen were doing, going to other deities and worshipping them. So the reason why Allah mentioned the rububiyyah in the Quran so often is as an establishment of evidence upon the mushrikun that you mushrikun believe in all of this, then how can you be committing shirk? It necessitates that you should be upon uluhiyyah, worshipping Allah alone, but you don't. So the evidence is being made clear and established upon them. Not easy to understand. Then, the Shaykh goes on to say, بِمَعْنَى أَنَّ تَوْحِيدَ الرُّبُوبِيَّةِ يَدُخُلُ ضِمْنَ تَوْحِيدِ الْأُلُوهِيَّةِ The other way around then, if you now look at it in terms of what is the relationship of الْأُلُوهِيَّةِ to الرُّبُوبِيَّةِ what is the relationship of al-uluhiyyah to al-rububiyyah? What we've just been talking about now was the relationship of al-rububiyyah to al-uluhiyyah. Al-rububiyyah, it necessitates al-uluhiyyah. Now the other way. What is the relationship of al-uluhiyyah to al-rububiyyah? Al-uluhiyyah being that you single out all of your worship whether it's from your heart upon your tongue upon your limbs you single it out to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone sincerity of worship to him alone what's the link between that and believing allah is the creator the provider the sustainer the rububiyyah what is the link there Al-Rububiyyah necessitated Al-Uluhiyyah. Al-Uluhiyyah what to Al-Rububiyyah? Hmm? Incorporates, includes, we mentioned it last time. Al-Uluhiyyah, it incorporates and includes Al-Rububiyyah. Because if you are now worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, sincerely, purely, then it's because you already understand the rububiyyah of Allah. You're worshipping Allah alone purely and sincerely because you know Allah is the only one deserving of worship. He is the sole creator, provider, sustainer. So al-uluhiyyah incorporates within it. It has within it already al-rububiyyah. So al-rububiyyah necessitates al-uluhiyyah. And al-uluhiyyah incorporates within it al-rububiyyah. That is the connection between them. فَمَنْ عَبَدَ اللَّهَ وَحْدَهُ وَلَمْ يُشْرِكْ بِهِ شَيْئًا فَلَا بُدَّ أَنْ يَكُونَ قَدْ اِعْتَقَدَ أَنَّهُ هُوَ رَبُّهُ وَخَالِقُهُ A person who therefore worships Allah alone, and makes all of his ibadah 
to Allah purely, then it's because he already now understands that Allah is the one deserving of worship alone. That Allah alone has the rububiyyah. That's why he understands now uluhiyyah is needed and he is upon that. Worshipping Allah alone purely and sincerely, not to the graves, not to the dead, not to the, the, uh, the awliya, the maulana and all of these things that they say, but that he worships Allah sincerely and purely alone. It mentions in the Quran, أَفَرَأَيْتُمْ مَا كُنْتُمْ تَعْبُدُونَ Do you see what you used to worship? أَنْتُمْ وَآبَاؤُكُمُ الْأَقْدَمُونَ You and your forefathers. فَإِنَّهُمْ عَدُوٌّ لِي إِلَّا رَبَّ الْعَالَمِينَ They are an enemy to me, except the Lord of all of creation. Ibrahim alayhi salam said to them, All of those are an enemy to me, those other deities, except the one that I worship. Allah, the Lord of all of creation, الذي خلقني فهو يهدين, the one who created me and he will guide me, والذي هو يطعمني ويسقين, and the one who feeds me and gives me to drink, وإذا مرضت فهو يشفين, and if I become ill then he is the one who cures me, والذي يميتني ثم يحيين, and he is the one who will give me death and then resurrect me, all of this indicating the oneness of Allah and your worship to Allah alone. And he is the one that I hope will forgive me my sins on the day of judgment. This is what Ibrahim alayhi salam said to his people. وَالْرُبُوبِيَّةِ وَالْأُلُوهِيَّةِ تَارَةً يَذْ يُذْكَرَانِ مَعًا Sometimes al-rububiyyah and al-uluhiyyah are mentioned together in the Qur'an. فَيَفْتَرِقَانِ فِي الْمَعْنَى So when they are both mentioned together, al-rububiyyah and al-uluhiyyah, then they both have an independent meaning each. They differ in their meaning then. They have their independent meaning. We've just been discussing them. The actions of Allah alone, He does those things. And Al-Uluhiyyah, your actions that you make sincere for Allah alone. An example of them being mentioned, in fact, the easiest way to remember this, if somebody asks you these different types of Tawheed that you're mentioning, Al-Rububiyyah, Al-Uluhiyyah, and also we have the third category which is the names and attributes of Allah. Al-Asma'u wa-Sifat. Somebody says to you, where are these three categories in the Qur'an? Where are they in the Qur'an? What is the evidence that they exist in the Qur'an? Because they will come and claim that they are made up these categories. The reality is they are not made up at all. They are from the Qur'an. So what is the evidence that they are from the Qur'an? Where are these three categories in the Qur'an? What's the easiest way to remember the answer? We've mentioned it before. Somebody must remember. 
If somebody asks you, where are these three categories of Tawheed in the Qur'an? Then what's the easiest evidence to give them the easiest way to remember? One of the easy examples. Al-Fatiha, you said. Al-Nas. So when you have the Mus'haf, right at the beginning is Al-Fatiha. Right at the end is Al-Nas. Easy way to remember. All of these categories of Tawheed are mentioned in Al-Fatiha and they are mentioned in An-Nas. Beginning, end. Two easy examples. You don't have to remember in the middle which ayah, which surah. Right at the beginning in Al-Fatiha, the three categories are there. Right at the end in An-Nas, the three categories are there. So where are they in the beginning, Al-Fatiha, when you say Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praise is due to the Rabb of all of creation. The Rabb of all of creation. Who is the Rabb? The one who created us, provided for us, sustains us, crea- uh, gives life and death, controls the universe. That is the Rabb. So there you have an affirmation of Tawheed of then Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. These are two of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. And so they are an affirmation of the Tawheed of names and attributes of Allah. Maliki Yawmiddin. You could also say, You could say names and attributes again. Malik, Maliki Yawmiddin. But then, Iyaka na'budu wa Iyaka nasta'een. You alone we worship. You alone we seek aid and assistance from. That is an indication of you singling out all of your worship and seeking assistance and dependence and trust and reliance. All purely to Allah, which is an affirmation of Al-Uluhiyya, there it is. Just like that, the categories of Tawheed can be seen in the Qur'an. And this is the point. If somebody says to you, where is the name Rububiyya in the Qur'an? And the name Uluhiyya in the Qur'an? And the name Al-Asma' Wa-Sifat in the Qur'an? Or in the Hadith? You say to them, these categories, they are explained by the scholars from that which is directly derived from the Qur'an. Now when you say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Allah is the Rabb, the Rabb of all of creation. That is the Rububiyyah. What does it mean Allah is Rabb? The creator, the provider, the sustainer, the Rububiyyah. You say, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, two of the names of Allah. What is that? Al-Asma'u wa-Sifat. You say, Iyaka na'budu wa Iyaka nasta'een. You alone we worship. You alone we seek aid and assistance from. That is what? Tawheed al-Uluhiyya. Singling out your worship to Allah alone. So it's not about somebody saying, where's the exact names? The names are there in their derivation from the Quran. Scholars, they read through the Quran and they could see clearly. This is talking about the Rububiyya of Allah. This is about the names and attributes of Allah. This is about the Uluhiyya. It's all there. So there is the example of Al-Fatiha. 
Then Sheikh Al-Fawzan gives the example of Surah An-Nas. Because like we said, the example, easy one to remember, is Al-Fatiha. We've just mentioned now the examples of that. Then Surah An-Nas at the end. قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ مَلِكِ النَّاسِ إِلَاهِ النَّاسِ قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ Say that I seek refuge in the Rabb of mankind. The Rabb, Rububiyyah, the one who created us, provided for us, controls the universe, gives life and death. Say, I seek refuge in the Rabb of all of creation. Rububiyyah. Malik nas Malik, you can say, one of the names, Al-Asma'u Wa-Sifat, names and attributes. Ilahinnas. The, in English, I don't know, Muhsin Khan, what do they say? The God? The God, the one worshipped. The one worshipped by the people, Ilah. Ilah in Arabic means Ma'loo, Ma'bood, the one worshipped. So Ilahinnas, the one worshipped by mankind which is therefore a clear indication of uluhiyyah. So there you have it, an easy, simple evidence everyone can remember. The three categories of tawheed at the beginning and at the end. And then also throughout the Quran in between. But easy examples, al-Fatiha and al-Nas. Then, وَالَّذِي دَعَتْ إِلَيْهِ الرُّسُلُ مِنَ النَّوْعَيْنِ هُوَ تَوْحِيدَ الْأُلُوهِيَّةِ Now then, when you look at the da'wah of the prophets and the messengers, what was the da'wah of the prophets and messengers? Was it al-rububiyyah or was it al-uluhiyyah? Then the answer is, it was al-uluhiyya. Because like we said, with regards to al-rububiyyah, then the people, the mushrikun, generally accepted that. But it was the uluhiyya where the issues arose. They did not want to single out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in worship. These are the core principles of the religion. If we understand these core principles of the religion, then you'll understand why the methodology of Ahlul Sunnah is the upright methodology. The methodology of Salafiyyah is the upright methodology. And all of the other sects and groups, they have not understood the core principles of the religion. They have not understood the core da'wah of the prophets and messengers. The prophets and messengers, they called to al-uluhiyyah. They called the people to the oneness of worship to Allah, to single out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with all of their worship. The prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to his people, said to the kuffar at the time, قُولُوا لَا إِلَٰهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ تُفْلِحُوا He said to them, say, 
that none has the right to be worshipped in truth except Allah and you'll be successful. They said, أَجَعَلَ الْآلِهَةَ إِلَهًا وَاحِدًا إِنَّ هَذَا لَشَيْءٌ عِجَابٌ They said, what? Is he making all of our gods into just one? Telling us, say that only Allah has the right to be worshipped in truth? He's telling us all these other gods, none of them have the right to be worshipped? He's trying to make us all into just worshipping one god? That's something which is not right. It's strange. It's not what we're going to accept. So they refuse to accept it. They refuse to accept worshipping Allah alone. They refuse to single out their worship to Allah alone. It mentions in the Quran, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَتَّخِذُ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ أَنْدَادًا يُحِبُّونَهُمْ كَحُبِّ اللَّهِ There are those who take partners alongside Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they love them as they love Allah. So they split their worship between Allah and these other deities. They do not single it out to Allah alone. But then the believers, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ the believers are greater in their love for Allah because the believers make their love for Allah pure and sincere, undivided. So here it mentions how the da'wah of the prophets and messengers was to al-uluhiyyah, to tell their people worship Allah alone, not the graves, not the dead, not anybody else. As for Rububiyyah, then like we said, the majority of nations on the whole accepted that. لَمْ يُنْكِرْهُ إِلَّا شَوَاذْ مِنَ الْخَلِيقَةِ Nobody rejected that except one-offs amongst the people. Rare occasions where people reject the Rububiyyah of Allah, otherwise they do not reject it. And even then, they're only rejecting it out in the open, apparently. Whereas inside, deep down, they acknowledge it and believe in it, even them. Even them who reject it, it's only apparently and openly. Inside, deep down, they know the truth. They know of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the rububiyyah. فَقَدْ أَقَرَّ بِهِ إِبْلِيسِ Even Iblis Even Iblis Satan Even he acknowledged the rububiyyah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So it's mentioned he said in the Quran Allah said قَالَ رَبِّ Rabbi bima aghwaytani. Shaitan Iblis said, My Lord, my Rabb. He referred to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as my Rabb, affirming and acknowledging the rububiyyah of Allah. Affirming and acknowledging the rububiyyah of Allah. 
qala rabbi my lord referring to allah as his rabb so this indicates very few people in reality reject the rububiyyah and even if they do then deep down they understand and they accept wa aqarra bihi al-mushrikun alladhina ba'itha fihim rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the mushrikun the ones whom the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was sent to they acknowledged it كما دلت على ذلك الآيات البينات just like the clear evidences indicate that to us that the kuffar at the time of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam they acknowledged the rububiyyah of Allah in the Quran Allah mentions wala in sa'altahum man khalaqahum Allah. if you were to ask them who created them then they will say certainly it was Allah they will acknowledge that their creator is Allah the one who gave them life is Allah they will acknowledge that فَمَنْ أَقَرَّ بِتَوْحِيدِ الرُّبُوبِيَّةِ فَقَطْ لَمْ يَكُنْ مُسْلِمًا But whoever acknowledges rububiyyah only, then that person is not a Muslim. You do not enter into Islam by only accepting the rububiyyah, by only accepting that Allah is the creator, the provider, the sustainer, the one who gives life and death and controls the universe. By accepting all of that, alone doesn't make you Muslim. What is needed on top of that? Al-Uluhiyyah. That you accept all of that, and then by necessity, as we said, you are then going to single out your worship to Allah alone. If you accept the Rububiyyah, but don't single out your worship to Allah alone, then you have not entered into Islam. وَبِهَذَا يَتَبَيَّنُ بُطْلَانُ مَا يَزْعَمُهُ عُلَمَاءُ الْكَلَامِ وَالصُّوفِيَّةِ أَنَّ التَّوْحِيدَ الْمَطْلُوبَ مِنَ الْعِبَادِ هُوَ الْإِقْرَارُ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْخَالِقُ الْمُدَبِّرِ This therefore indicates to you the falsehood of what the scholars of philosophy, the the likes of the Sufiyyah and other than them claim they say that the required Tawheed from the servants what Allah requires from us, wants from us is simply basically a Rububiyyah that we acknowledge Allah is the creator and that he is the Mudabbir, the one who controls the affairs وَمَنْ أَقَرَّ بِذَلِكَ صَارَ عِنْدَهُمْ مُسْلِمًا And whomsoever acknowledges that, they say he's a Muslim. He believes Allah is the creator, Allah is the provider, Allah is the one who gives life and death. He's a Muslim. Wrong. If he believes in all of that but doesn't single out his worship to Allah alone, then he's not a Muslim. You have to believe in all of that and then act upon it by what it necessitates. That you single out your worship to Allah alone. 
ولهذا يعرفون التوحيد في الكتب التي ألفوها في العقائد بما ينطبق على توحيد الربوبية فقط That's why in the books of the Sufis when they talk about Tawheed all they talk about is Al-Rububiyyah Believe that Allah is the creator Believe he is the one who gave life and death Believe he's the one who controls the universe That's all they talk about And they don't get to the point The point that the prophets and messengers got to which is that it necessitates you need to single out Allah with your worship. Don't be making dua to the dead people in the graves. Don't even be making dua to the Prophet ﷺ at his grave. Don't be making dua to others, make dua to Allah alone. That's what it means, but they don't get to that. For them it's rububiyyah only, and this is a great misconception amongst the people, that they think being a Muslim is to believe in Allah. And to believe that Allah is the creator and he's the provider and Allah controls everything and Allah gives life and death. Yes, you believe in all of that. All of that is the rububiyyah. But that's not it. That isn't where it finishes. That isn't what makes you a Muslim yet. You then have to believe in the uluhiyyah. That you single out Allah with your worship and make it sincere and pure for him. If you're depending upon others, you've got your trust in the dead people in their graves, they tell you, go make shafa'ah, go make dua to the dead person, he'll take your dua to Allah. Go make your dua at the grave of the Prophet he'll take your dua to Allah. You have those types of beliefs, then you've not fully understood al-uluhiyyah. So this is the great mistake of the Sufis and their likes that they say being a Muslim is just about believing in Allah, believing that Allah exists, believing that Allah is the creator provider. But that is only one section of it. It does not enter you into Islam believing in that by itself. Qala Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala said Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah one of the great scholars of Islam from several centuries ago he said فَإِنَّ عَامَّةَ الْمُتَكَلِّمِينَ الَّذِينَ يُقَرِّرُونَ التَّوْحِيدِ فِي كُتُبِ الْكَلَامِ وَالنَّظَرِ غَايَتُهُمْ أَنْ يَجْعَلُوا التَّوْحِيدَ ثَلَاثَةَ أَنْوَاعَ في أفعاله لا شريك له وأش نعم فيقولون هو واحد في ذاته لا قسيم له وواحد في صفاته لا شبيه له وواحد في أفعاله لا شريك له وأشهر الأنواع الثلاثة عندهم هو الثالث وهو توحيد الأفعال وهو أن خالق العالم واحد وهم يحتجون على ذلك بما يذكرونه من دلالة من دلالة من دلالة تمانع التمانع وغيرها من دلالة التمانع وغيرها. So here the Sheikh he quotes Sheikh Islam ibn Taymiyyah where Sheikh Islam ibn Taymiyyah mentions that the majority of these philosophers and their likes who acknowledge 
and they establish Tawheed, they explain Tawheed in their books, in their books of philosophy, etc. The best they ever get to, غَايَتُهُمْ The most they ever get to saying is that Tawheed is three types and they say the first is that Allah is one in His essence, no partners to Him. And that he is one in his attributes, no comparison to him. And that he is one in his actions, no participant or equal to him. And from those three types, the last one is the most popular with them. That he is the creator of this creation. And يَحْتَجُّونَ عَلَى ذَلِكَ بِمَا يَذْكُرُونَهُ مِنْ دَلَالَةِ التَّمَانِعِ وَغَيْرِهَا وَيَظُنُّونَ أَنَّ هَذَا هُوَ التَّوْحِيدُ الْمَطْلُوبُ وَأَنَّ هَذَا هُوَ مَعْنَ قَوْلِنَا لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ حَتَّى يَجْعَلُوا مَعْنَ الْأُولُهِيَّ الْقُدْرَ عَلَى الْإِخْتِرَاعِ وَمَعْلُومٌ أَنَّ الْمُشْرِكِينَ مِنَ الْعَرَبِ الَّذِينَ بُعِثَ إِلَيْهِ مُحَمَّدٌ صلى الله عليه وسلم أَوَّلًا لَمْ يَكُونُوا يُخَالِفُونَهُ فِي هَذَا بَلْ كَانُوا يُقِرُّونَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ خَالِقٌ خَالِقُ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ حَتَّى إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا يُقِرُّونَ بِالْقَدْرِ أَيْضًا so then Shaykh al-Islam goes on to mention some of their philosophical arguments that they may use in order to back up their position regarding their understanding of Tawheed that is flawed. Their flawed understanding of Tawheed saying it is just about Allah being one in his essence and being one in his attributes and in his actions. You can see there, there's no mention of Allah being one in terms of our worship to Him, our actions to Him. So then they try to justify their position with their philosophy and they believe this is the correct understanding of Tawheed. And so it's essentially what it comes down to is that all of their speech revolves around trying to bring all of Tawheed around the topic of to bring the discussion about Tawheed to the topic of Rububiyyah. That Allah is the one capable of creating things. He is the one who can create and bring things into existence. But this type of understanding is the understanding that the mushrikun at the time of the Prophet had. They knew that and they accepted that. So it is clear that they have a misunderstanding and a, 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 mis, a, a misunderstanding, misinterpretation, a deviance in their uh, comprehension regarding Tawheed. Therefore, the statement of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah is clear in refuting those who believe that Tawheed is simply a rububiyyah. To believe Allah is one, the creator, the provider, that's it. That is not it. What it requires is the uluhiyyah. And that is where they have misunderstood and fallen short. So like we were saying, Allah sent all of the prophets and messengers to call the people to exactly that uluhiyyah. And it's mentioned in the Quran. وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ رَسُولًا 
That indeed we sent to every nation a messenger preaching. Worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and abstain, refrain, stay away from the false deities. And they didn't go to their nations just saying, They didn't go to their people saying, Believe and acknowledge Allah is the creator and Allah is the provider, Allah is the sustainer. They didn't go to their people telling them that. They went to their people telling them, Worship Allah alone. Make your obedience to Allah alone. Not just telling them you got to believe Allah is the creator, the provider, the sustainer. Because those people already accepted that. But it was the issue of, Worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and stay away from the false deities. Shaykh al-Islam also said, التوحيد الذي جاءت به الرسل إنما يتضمن إثبات الإلهية لله وحده. The Tawheed that the messengers came with, it includes, incorporates an affirmation of the Uluhiyah of Allah بأن يشهد أن لا إله إلا الله لا يعبد إلا إياه that a person testifies that there is none worthy of worship in truth except Allah. And that he does not worship except Allah. Then he went on to say at the end, وَلَيْسَ الْمُرَادُ بِالتَّوْحِيدِ مُجَرَّدِ تَوْحِيدَ الْرُبُوبِيَّةِ So the point of tawheed isn't just tawheedَ الْرُبُوبِيَّةِ It is not just the point of al-rububiyyah. وَهُوَ اعْتِقَادًا أَنَّ اللَّهَ وَحْدَهُ خَلَقَ الْعَالَمُ and that is to believe that Allah alone created all of the creation. It is not just the rububiyyah. كَمَا يَظُنُّ ذَلِكَ مَنْ يَظُنُّهُ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكَلَامِ وَالتَّصَوَّفِ وَيَظُنُّ هَؤُلَاءَ أَنَّهُمْ إِذَا أَثْبَتُوا ذَلِكَ بِالدَّلِيلِ فَقَدْ أَثْبَتُوا غَايَةَ التَّوْحِيدِ وَأَنَّهُمْ إِذَا شَهِدُوا هَذَا وَفَنُوا فِيهِ فَقَدْ فَنُوا فِي غَايَةَ التَّوْحِيدِ they, the, the Sufis and the Deviants, they believe as long as you have an understanding of a rububiyyah then you have fulfilled what is required of you. You have fulfilled and you have understood and you've practiced what is required of you in terms of a in terms of a tawheed. So if a person was to acknowledge that Allah is deserving in terms of what he is deserving of in the attributes and he frees Allah from any deficiencies and believes Allah alone is the creator then that person isn't a person of tawheed just like that it needs to go beyond that that the person must understand Allah is the one to be worshipped alone he is the one that you single out all of your worship to and you cannot call upon other people besides Allah. So the point isn't just to say there is no God except Allah. The point is to say that there is no one deserving of worship except Allah.
Even if other people out there claim to have other gods, all of those other gods are false. The only one deserving of worship is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That brings us to the end of the chapter regarding Ar-Rububiyyah and Al-Uluhiyyah and their connection. The next section which will begin next time is about how the Qur'an talks about Al-Uluhiyyah and how to give da'wah to the people about Al-Uluhiyyah, calling the people to the worship of Allah and the types of ayat that are mentioned about that. So that is where we'll begin within the next session, insha'Allah. Any questions up to there for tonight before we round off? That's correct. There is no one non-worthy of worship in truth except Allah. That is the correct definition. If you're practicing that, then it means you are worshipping Allah alone and you are fulfilling al-uluhiyya. Established her as a believer upon the basis of rububiyyah only. And how is that? This is not. It is not like that. And the people who say that, it, it is because of their lack of understanding of that narration. There are variations of that narration. In some of those variations, it's not just her pointing to the sky, she speaks. And some of the scholars, they say it wasn't even in Arabic. That she didn't even know Arabic. Some, they claim, some of them mention that. There's other variations of that narration where there is more mention to it as well. But even there, it is not an affirmation of Iman upon Rububiyyah alone. That was a factor of Aqeedah, an aspect of Aqeedah that the Prophet ﷺ tested her upon saying, where is Allah? So then she affirmed hadith which is authentic. She said, Fissama, above the heavens, pointed upwards, that Allah is above Fissama. That then, along with the other narrations that come of that hadith, the variations of it, uh, Sheikh Muhammad Al-Amin Al-Shanqiti spoke about it. And he refuted the people of innovation who tried to use that as an evidence for their innovations. And he clarified how this indicated, or the, the narrations when they are put together, it indicates her iman in the Prophet ﷺ, indicates her iman in Allah, indicates her iman in those in those concepts and as a consequence of her of the indication of her iman in those concepts of iman in the prophet ﷺ, which dictates iman in the prophet ﷺ, dictates from you that you're going to obey him in that which he commanded which therefore means you're going to worship allah sincerely alone upon tawheed so all of them are connected when you have an affirmation in the prophethood of the Prophet there's a connection that, with that to the other section of the Shahada. That's why they say, La ilaha illallah and Muhammadur Rasulullah. Those two don't separate. They cannot be separated. You believe Allah has the right to be worshipped alone. Then you also believe that Muhammad is the final messenger of Allah. If you believe Muhammad is the final messenger of Allah, then you believe that Allah alone has the right to be worshipped and therefore, that narration, it can't be used that as an evidence to say that this only indicated rububiyyah. That she was pointing up, it only indicated rububiyyah. It's not the case. There are other sections of that narration and the scholars, they put them together because it's one narration, one story. 
So when you put them together, it highlights how her iman was of a level that indicated her belief, indicated her belief in the Messenger of Allah. And if you have belief in the Messenger of Allah, then that is ta'atuhu fima amara, belief in or accepting and fulfilling the obedience to Allah, which is therefore al-uluhiyya, al-rububiyya and everything. So that isn't an evidence. That isn't an evidence they say that the Prophet affirmed the Islam of somebody upon rububiyya only. We know rububiyya does not enter you into Islam alone. Anything else? Last one then from the sisters, then we'll stop. Yeah, that's it. That's uh, with the explanation. It can be that could be said, but the, the, what they say is they say that the prophet asked her, "Where is Allah?" She said, "Above, above the seven heavens, above the creation." That there was no mention of al-uluhiya in the question or the answer. That's what they say. So they say that is therefore the prophet affirming her Islam upon just rububiya. But you're right when you put this into the context of it too. That at the time, all of their mushrikeen used to worship their various idols around the Kaaba, everywhere, statues, stones, graves. So when the Prophet is asking her, where is Allah? Meaning Allah itself, the word Allah itself means Al-Uluhiyyah. What does the name Allah indicate in the sifat? Al-Uluhiyyah. So where is Allah? You can say in the explanation of it, where is the one who is to be worshipped? And then if she says above, then that's an affirmation of al-uluhiyya as well as al-rububiyya and everything too. Are you allowed to breastfeed a child that is two? We know that the breastfeeding is allowed for the first two years. That's, where, that's the time period that is specified for the breastfeeding to occur up to the first two years. Beyond that, it is not stipulated for the breastfeeding to occur. It's not stipulated in the Quran and the Sunnah for breastfeeding to occur beyond that. Can it occur though? Are there examples of it occurring? There are. There are some examples of it occurring after two years. When you talk about the examples of a rada'ah, the examples of somebody becoming your mahram through breastfeeding like a child, then that's obviously after the age of two. So it could occur, but what is in the Qur'an and the Sunnah is up to the age of two. Then beyond that, they are capable of eating foods and solids and everything else as well anyway. So it is sufficient. What is mentioned in the Qur'an and the Sunnah is sufficient. So sufficient up to the age of two years old. We're going to have to round off because of the prayers coming as well now. We'll carry on next week at 7 p.m. insha'Allah.